And we should try to act more animated anyway. <laughs> okay, let's uh, get started, I guess. So, I want to talk about music. Okay. This is something you're pretty familiar with. Uh, yeah. You play the trombone. It's true. And the piano. Yep, I'm a, I'm a pretty good boner. Any other instruments? I used to play trumpet and tuba in high school, but not really. Mostly just trombone and, uh, and piano. Okay, so this is kind of a bit of follow-up from our Warcraft 2 discussion. Interesting. Go well, on. So I have been in the process of digitizing my old CD library into yep. lossless audio. Yeah. And while I was doing that, I remembered that I had the original CDs for Warcraft 2. You did post something to I that did effect. posted that on Twitter. And they have an actual orchestral score for the game. Uh, this is something that was quite common in the 90s. So a game disc had the data portion, and then the CD also had CD audio on it. Mm -hmm. So back then, like Warcraft 2, I don't know what the game took up, but it's something like 10 megabytes mm -hmm. or something, right? And so the rest of the CD was free to be used for something else, so they put audio on. And because the sound cards of the day couldn't reproduce, I mean, really good sound using MIDI, I mean, I guess you still probably can't. And MP3 compression and decompression was years away. They had just CD audio, right? I remember actually just putting the the game CD into a, into a, like a CD player yeah, and it yeah, would work. Yeah, of course, it could do it, right? So I digitized the CD and I would listen to the music as a result. Okay, so they did a fantastic job with this music. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that the orcs and the humans' music are mm -hmm. very, very different, right? So the orc music has lots of drum beats and uh, I want to say like woodwind instruments or like low wind instruments and, and uh, voices chanting and stuff like that. They have, they have like a choir chanting or... Well, no, no, no. It's more like a, uh, like a low uh, like a low chant, not a choir mm. as such. And then the humans have lots of horns and, and fanfare type pianos stuff, right? and uh, harp type instruments. Uh -huh. So I came up with a theory about this. So obviously the orc music sounds more primitive, is what they were going for, more like raw tribal type music. Okay. Right? And the humans obviously sound uh, medieval, uh, I don't know what, what you, word you would use here. Yeah, okay. And so my theory was that uh, we consider primitive music and high-level music to be different because I think high-level music is made with things that involve metals. Like horns, you need metal to make them, really, right? Uh, pianos, metal soundboard, uh, things with metal strings, like guitars, whereas more primitive music is like a drum or a woodwind, like a flute okay. or something like that. In other words, primitive materials because they reproduce sounds that you would hear more like in nature almost you get whereas metal instruments produce sounds that you you'd never hear in nature uh -huh. does that make any sense that makes some sense um do, do you get a lot more like shaking percussions as well yeah yeah of course right that's what i said like the, like the, the, the orcs stuff. have a lot of like bass right uh -huh. lots of booms and right, stuff like right, that okay. right which is sounds you would hear in nature i guess right but uh, a horn you don't really hear anything like that in nature. No, not no at that's all. Right. No. Right. So what's the idea there? Like when you're playing as the orcs, you're supposed to feel more, I don't know, closer to nature. Yeah, and raw, guttural okay. kind of thing, right? And the orcs' art style reflects this, right? Like the humans have buildings built of stone 
and glass yeah. and metals. And the orcs, their buildings are built of bone yeah. and leather. It's very, very primitive by comparison. Which it's is a, a point I made when we were playing the game. The human buildings are built of stone, and the orcs are clearly made of like horn and leather. The humans would roll over those buildings with their metal weapons yeah. almost immediately. Yeah, I was just going to say, wait, they still output the same amount of DPS. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, concessions have to be made to gameplay, right? But uh, you, knowing what you know about music, what, what do you think about that? Is there something about music that makes it sound more or less primitive not just the sounds, like bass and treble, but the timing. That's a tough question. I have to admit, my experience with music is more theoretical in nature, so I can explain what keys are and what counting beats are, tempos and stuff. Choices of instruments and, like, instrumentation choices for the scores, not so much. Hmm. Uh, let me think, though. Could you not compose a piece of music? It would take some more training on my part. Composing music is composing music is not easy. There are entire courses that you can take. There, there in, in fact there are entire courses that you can go to de- like to uh, to deconstruct pieces of music that have been composed in your training towards composing your own. Hmm. Like there's a lot that goes into it. Um, yeah, I suppose like uh, choosing instruments goes is is part of it. I suppose I suppose it must play into it like the the kind of overall feel or like emotion you're trying to express would would definitely come into it i haven't really thought about it huh i'm amazed that you can get to the point where you can play multiple instruments yeah and have never actually thought about how the instruments affect the emotion you feel when the piece is performed Hmm. it's <laughs> it's almost like you viewed playing music more as a language processing challenge like how can i translate this la- this written language into audio that's an interesting challenge let me ask you a question what have you read very many books in your life probably above average but less than some how many have you written well i've never written a book uh-huh i, I might have i've written little things here and there from time to time so to consume something that's been written is vastly different from you know, composing something yourself. <clears throat> I'm not sure it's a perfectly apt metaphor. I mean, like, reading a book is more like listening to a piece of music, not mm. performing it. Okay. I don't know what the the simile is in the reading world. Like, in music, you can listen to music, you can compose music, you can perform music. Mm-hmm. I don't think the same thing applies for reading and writing. Yeah, okay. There's no intermediary stage. <laughs> like like yeah, the equivalent right. would have been before the advent almost of reading and writing when you would have been um, like the tribe's shared memory keeper or something and responsible <laughs> for passing on the oral tradition. Right, right. Um, yeah, I suppose too, um, as a performer, you kind of need to understand the emotion that, that the overall piece is trying to convey. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, that stuff is all like written into the music. Like it, it says, play loud here, play soft here, play short here, play long there. You know, really emphasize these notes, downplay the rest of it. Uh, there's a lot of markings that you just sort of learn. And then I don't want to sound uncultured or anything, but like you don't have to really know that stuff if you know how to read the markings. Huh. So. Next question, why do you even need a human to perform it then? That is a really interesting question and something that I've thought about too. Um, I mean, you could set up uh, actuators to, to push the buttons on the tuba. I mean, if you wanted it to sound exactly like a tuba and not a digital 
interpretation of a tuba, mm-hmm. like like MIDI is. Mm-hmm. You could certainly have you know electromagnetic actuators to push the keys, and uh, you know, blow air through it. Some sort of blower, variable blower, to blow air through it. Yeah. So why do you need a human to do it? Why do, you need a do we need a human to do it? Maybe we just like the idea of humans doing it, but maybe we don't need them? There's there's probably some complexity here that I'm not at a stage as a musician to fully appreciate. What? I've seen you perform in an orchestra. Yeah. What? That seems like a pretty high level. I mean, yeah. how much higher does it really get? Well, I'm not a virtuoso trombone player or anything like that. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty far above average. Yeah. Why could, a, why could a machine not play in an orchestra? Well, um... No, 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 no. The whole orchestra would be machines. It's not like you just replaced the tromboner. <laughs> I see. Never gets less funny. Yeah, I know. Um, with a machine. Replace every instrument with a machine. I mean, you could make a machine that bangs on the drums and plays the trombone and plays the... Ooh, things like the harp would be pretty difficult nah, to harp, engineer. Harp would be easy mode. Uh, what, just one actuator per string? Yep. Yeah, okay. I guess that's true. You don't move up and down on a harp, nope. do you? No. Guitar would be pretty difficult. Actually, on a harp, you need to work with uh, pedals, too. Okay, well, that's not difficult. Yeah. Piano, harp, guitar seems like it'd be interesting. A violin, also. I mean, these things have, uh, they don't have discrete positions, that's but right. uh, variable positions, I yeah. guess, is the word I'm looking for. So, actually, brass instruments are very variable in that sense, too, especially trombone. Well, the trombone, yeah, has a slide. Trombone has a slide, but every brass instrument, when you're playing it, you can sort of mouth up and down a little bit to achieve the exact pitch that you want. Okay, nonetheless, it's not an insurmountable problem to... Well, no, that's what I'm getting at. Like, to play a brass instrument with any kind of tonality, you need to be constantly adjusting what you're playing according to what you hear. So there'd be a feedback loop there. I'm really curious now to find out if anyone has ever done this, attempted to play an instrument with some sort of actuator. I mean, you know, for that matter, it doesn't have to perfectly resemble the human one. I mean, the human instrument is laid out to be played by human hands, but you could probably achieve the same sound with something that looks nothing like the human design one. Like, there's no reason the harp... (laughs) You you don't need to lay it out like a harp. That's merely so that the human arms can... Have you ever looked at some of these instruments? Like, a clarinet has got like all kinds of buttons on it that are crazy and I don't know how the person who designed this thing figured out that these combinations of buttons because like or or, or, uh, yeah on a clarinet and on a flute you push a button and the buttons actually like push other things down so like a single button push like actually closes maybe three holes on the whole thing yeah (laughs) like who came up with this well presumably it was you know an iterative process. Yeah, maybe. But so, but then again, if it were iterative, wouldn't they be very different now nowadays? Like, if well, you, no, I mean... If you can play one clarinet today, you can play them all. No, I mean, there was a, a lot of iterations of the clarinet from V1 to V15. Uh-huh. But once it got to around V15, it's probably more or less stayed there for the last however many hundred years. Okay. But before that, I'm guessing, oh, someone said, oh, well, you know, what if we put yet another hole over here and could we keep playing it? And Right. Like, I'm sure the piano didn't have the sharp keys or something. I don't know the history of the piano. Yeah. But I can imagine a situation where it was just a series of keys. And then someone said, well, let's put some extra keys to make a sharp note on. And those became the black keys. And then someone said, well, I want to be able to hold the note or whatever the pedals do. I don't mm-hmm. remember what the pedals do mm-hmm. on the piano. Well, originally you had the harpsichord, which is which worked by, like, plucking every time you hit a key. Oh, to circle back a bit, there's one interesting note, which is the orc music seems to include... A harpsichord. Lots of harpsichords. Heavily. Yeah. Which is definitely not a 
a traditional tribal guttural type nope. instrument. That works for some reason. Nonetheless, as I said, it, it's much more on the the low end and much more simple instruments that you can make with simple materials. Yeah. Just to yeah, just to I don't know, achieve an overall effect of like, okay, the orcs are primitive. Right. Things, right. Right. Exactly. Interesting. Like, I never thought of myself as particularly caring about the little things like that, the little design elements that go into a game. Like, I I cared more about like, okay, this guy can put out that much DPS, that guy can put out that much DPS. It's interesting, but it it really does change the way you feel when you play, doesn't it? This. Almost sounds like our discussion on podcast 0.1, where we talked about uh, why I didn't like Screeps, and I pointed out that oh, yeah. the subjective experience of playing makes a difference. Yeah, See, Screeps isn't something that you play, it's something that you program and then let loose on the world, right? To paraphrase Mr. Plinkett, you might not notice these little differences, but your brain does. <laughs> I don't remember him saying that. Uh, it was I, guess a, I think it was in the review for Avatar. Uh, when he was pointing out the the one dimensionality of the characters and stuff like that. Okay. Anyway, are we going to get a red light uh, recording light um, outside our office that we can turn it on when we're recording? That would be a good idea. I think we should do that. <laughs> like, shh, we're recording in here. <laughs> yeah, um, to our listeners, right? Listeners, as if there actually were any. Yeah. We uh, record in our office space where we work, and uh, we're having a hell of a time trying to get rid of the ambient noise. Uh, we spent, seems like 20 minutes before this, just playing with it. This follows on our discussion about the difficulty of recording high-quality audio. Yep. I mean, oh my god. I, I really see why you would need a proper soundproof recording studio to do it well. Uh, I mean, like, the microphone is picking up the motion of the elevators in the building, yep. and the um, HVAC system, uh, like we were in a different room and it happened to be near a server room where there's a bunch of fans running and so you could sort of vaguely hear that. Wow, man, this is difficult stuff. Well, it just means that you've got a really good microphone. (laughs) Yes, yes, we uh, have the, we're doing this on the Yeti microphone in bi-directional mode, which is really nice. Should we change topics? Sure. Um, There's something else I want to talk about. Go on. Have you heard of something called Nostalrius? Nostalrius. I can't say that I have. Okay, so the first few sounds of the word, the first few phonemes, what's the word I'm looking for here? Syllables? Syllables? Yeah, I guess the first few syllables of the word. Nostal should give you a hint of where this is going. So it is a, what's called a World of Warcraft vanilla server. Okay, so for you who obviously doesn't know anything about World of Warcraft, when the game first launched, version 1 through version whatever, I don't know, that was basically known as vanilla World of Warcraft. Okay. And then they started releasing expansion packs. Okay. You know, where they changed the maps around, they added new races, new zones, characters, what have you. I don't know. I never played it past vanilla. Okay. Um, Anyway, so as they've added on this more and more expansions, there's been a movement in the World of Warcraft community to say, wait, I want to play the original game because I liked that a lot better. Oh, so is it not is it not available anymore? Well, well, think about it. this is a this is a massively multiplayer online game, right? Uh-huh. There's there's one world. You can't log into version X or version Y. Like okay. you log into World of Warcraft, right? Everybody it's, upgrades together. Yeah, right? it's a, it's a persistent world, yeah. of course, yeah. right? How would it be if you could be on different sure. worlds? Like the map would be different simultaneously? That doesn't make any sense, right? So, some people managed to and I don't know whether they pirated 
the server software or they managed to write their own, which would be unbelievable if that's what they did. I really should research that more. But they managed to set up a World of Warcraft server that was the vanilla version of the game, right? So you had to go and get the client version, whatever it was, 1.3 or something like that, right? Okay. And then you could connect to this server, which is not run by Blizzard. It's run by these guys. Run by these guys, and you could play the original version of World of Warcraft. And it got up to about 8,000 to 10,000 people, I think. Cool. Uh, before Blizzard finally said, sorry. like we're, Sorry what? Well, they shut them down. How? Legal action. Huh. Okay. I mean, they're violating any number of terms of use and copyrights and what have you, right? Uh, I'm kind of surprised it got as far as it did. Now, I found out that there are now other ones sort of taking up the slack. So is Blizzard kind of going, hmm, I see that there's a demand for this? Uh, They have responded by saying they're not going to do it. (laughs) We have listened to you. We've decided not to do it. Yeah, but I mean, you can understand their point of view. Um, So the actual response from Blizzard was very, very good. And it wasn't technical. Uh, basically, they said, look, look, you don't love Vanilla WoW. What you love is the memories you have of playing this game five years ago with the people you had playing it five years ago. Simply going back and playing that, that game again, it won't be the same. The same people won't be there. The same memories won't be there. Um, and I think that they're actually correct. Nonsense. We're playing Warcraft 2 with each other right now. Yeah, we are. We are. But I think this is a little bit different. Uh, I agree with them. I think that when you, when people wanted to do this, what they really wanted was they remembered all the good times they had playing the original version of the game, and they want to relive that. But because it's a massively multiplayer game, it can never be the same game again. Not without the same people. Yeah. Okay. I see that. Oh, so they're refusing to do it because they're afraid it'll taint the already good memories that you have? No. I replace. No, 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 no. no. They're, say, they're just saying, look, we... They don't want to invest the time and effort, I guess. But they're justifying that by saying, like, you don't really want it anyway, you know. Hmm. What you want is something that doesn't exist anymore. Like, you want to relive those days, not the game that you were playing at that time. That doesn't stop people playing, like, old music on the radio. Yeah, but that's the point, though, right? I mean, when you replay the song, it's exactly the same song again. And when you go and replay this game, it's not going to be exactly the same Yeah, but even then, like... The The quests will be the same... But the experience of doing them won't be because you won't be with your old guildmates and what have you. And I, I don't know. What do you think about that? You seem to think that that's not necessarily true. It might be just as fun to play it again. Uh, a point I, I understand to some degree. Um, you know, I, uh, years after I stopped playing World of Warcraft, I downloaded the client. I mean, at any time you can pick it up and play for free for, I, I don't know, 10 days or something like this, right? Mm-hmm. Like they try and sucker you back in all mm-hmm. the time. And I didn't actually play any of the game. I just went to various map locations that I remembered and looked at them again. And they're like, wow, I remember oh, being yeah. here. Darkshire. For some reason, I loved Darkshire. It was one of my favorite places in the game. You didn't do any of the no, things. No, I didn't do any of the things. You just wanted just, to go and walk around Just and go and walk around. Yeah, much like one might revisit one's old high school or... I, th- I think that as you were walking around in the game, you should have had like a long beard just to just to indicate that you were like an old fogey and not really interested in doing anything. That would be interesting uh, if your character aged. Well, that's what yeah, that's what I mean. It'd be interesting if a game put that in, but that's a bit of a side note. Yeah, but I, I got thinking about this because we played Warcraft Two, and I wanted to play Warcraft Two, but I think it's just because I have all these great memories of playing World Warcraft Two. Uh, you know, with my friends in the 90s 
where we had a LAN party and we didn't even have Ethernet. We had ArcNet or something like this. I, I, I don't know. Like for a while, we were you using. You didn't have the twisted twisted over we, modem cables. No, we didn't have twisted pair. We had coax. Okay. You know, like uh, so you oh. had to use T connectors. Yeah, and yeah, 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 Basically, yeah, yeah, one yeah. coax line connecting the computers. Right, right, right. Um, and you know, we didn't even have the proper connectors. Like we were just, you had to hold the wire in. I remember one of the guys <laughs> holding the wire into the back of his computer while trying to play. <laughs> while trying to play, because he was upstairs or something, and it didn't quite reach. And when he let go, it would fall down the stairs. <laughs> Right? But this is what I remember. And I remember playing, you know, Descent 2 and Doom 2. And um, I wanted, I would love to start up Doom 2 and just play around that first level. But I have no desire to play the new Doom or anything like that. And I yeah. think it's just because of the the memories associated with it. So, okay. So I can, yeah, I can sort of see Blizzard's position to like, no, that's in the past. Like, enjoy your happy memories. I think their position... We're on to better things now. Right. But I think their position is that especially in the world of uh, Mamorpagur, yeah. as Yahtzee would say, um, it'll never be the same again. Yeah. I mean, even Warcraft 2, it's pretty... Sim- like, when you and I play it, and when I played it in the past, the game is pretty much exactly the same. Like, it's yeah. the same unit progression every damn time. Uh, but WoW would be really, really different with different people, I think. Hmm. Also, just because it goes on so long. It's because the game is like very deep and can change in very drastic ways. Like as you said, Warcraft Two, it kind of follows a set progression, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, also it goes on for a long time, and yeah. a lot of the things you have to do with other people, you know, like there's group quests and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I understand their point of view. At the same time, I'd be kind of curious to, to log into one of those vanilla servers and just see what it looks like. Have you ever played a Memorpagir? Uh I picked up a game. I think it was called Elder Scrolls, something like that. Yeah, uh, that sounds right. That sounds right. Wait, that's Skyrim. Skyrim. No, it wasn't Skyrim. No, but they did do a, a more bigger version of the Elder Scrolls something. Way back something? No, not way back. Are you thinking of um, EverQuest? Was that it? That was one of the original ones, wasn't it? I don't remember. Anyways, I just remember looking through the manual and, oh, you can build like you can uh craft stuff and you can like build up your skills and you can walk around towns and you can it didn't do much for me i think i'm more of a pure strategy type person than a like a story follower so i like the start and stop feel of strategy games like warcraft 2 and starcraft and stuff like that Mm. um you know where you can work on a strategy and becoming good at executing it rather than playing a long-term game that you know, plays out over weeks or months and builds up a story with your buddies. It's never really appealed to me. Wow. I mean, we're really coming to a very key difference between the two of us here, aren't we? Mm. Well, this came up on the last podcast, episode 0.2. Yeah. Um, where I pointed out that that one game had a, a mode, a difficulty mode, just tell me a story, and I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, that... Yeah, you seem to apply this to a lot of facets of your life. Yeah. I'm seeing a big similarity here between, well, I learned how to interpret the musical notation and effectively perform it. <laughs> I was like, did you realize it's supposed to evoke emotion? In <laughs> I never thought about it that way. Like, well, I learned the various DPS stats and unit abilities, and I crafted a, a strategy to effectively beat the opponents. Like, did you realize there was supposed to be an emotional component here? Um, yeah, wow. I mean, I'm kind of curious... When you watch, do you enjoy watching movies? 
or consuming entertainment, passive entertainment of any kind? Yeah, I like watching comedies. We're watching uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine right now. I don't know, like emotional movies? Yeah, yeah. Don't really do it for me. I just, if I'm gonna sit down and watch TV, I wanna be like almost completely brain dead. But uh, good comedy isn't brain dead. I mean, I'd go so far as to say Arrested Development is a very intelligent show. Yeah. And it's a Yeah, okay, that's a good point. Well, comedy's a, uh, an intellectual exercise, right? It's not like an emotional kind of thing. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? So what's the intellectual exercise here? Ferreting out the meaning behind the joke? Or discovering why it's clever? Yeah. Like appreciating the nuance that goes underneath it, right? Couldn't the same be true of almost any emotion, right? Effectively making people cry is a pretty difficult and nuanced thing to do. Yeah. Or maybe it isn't, come to think of it. Maybe comedy is a lot more cerebral. Cerebral, good one. But I, I can almost see an argument here. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of emotional things are, you would use the word sappy. Yeah. Right? In other words, there's a quick, easy route to making somebody cry like okay let's just show them pictures of drowning children or something like that i don't dislike it because it's easy but that's kind of what you were saying it, there's there's no intellectual component your brain is is really easy to uh i, I can really make it enter an emotional state without too much difficulty mm. whereas to get you to really appreciate the subtlety of a joke requires a lot of thinking yeah on your part and on the part of the performer so I guess that's why you like it. Then why did I say I want to be brain dead when I'm watching? That, that's what I was getting at. I didn't understand that point at all. Mm. That's kind of how I feel, though. Like, when I'm, when I'm sitting down to watch, I, maybe that's another one of the hallmarks of good comedy, is that it doesn't feel like you're working too hard, but you are anyway. Does that make any sense? It doesn't feel like you're working hard, but you are anyway. Like you're working at multiple levels to understand what they're saying, and that, I don't know, that... Problem solving makes you feel good, and that's why you enjoy it. Maybe. I think what you, <laughs> I think what you're getting at though is that emotional things tend to make you feel uh, tired. Experiencing maybe. sadness very vividly or something is is almost physically tiring. Mm-hmm. Um, where experiencing comedy or anything intellectual is not really tiring in the same way. I finished uh, the book called The Humans that they suggested on. Hello, Internet. Oh, yeah? One of the things he says in there is that uh, listening to music is uh, experiencing the joys of counting without realizing that you're counting. Because you're counting the beat? Yeah, because you're counting the beat. You're sort of, you're counting the beat. You're sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, playing out a pattern in your mind. And just following it through is itself pleasurable. But you don't notice that you're doing it, really. So laughing is appreciating intelligence without knowing you're doing it. I'd say that's fair. Cool. Yeah. So you just got back from Europe? Yep. Uh, we were away for two weeks. How was it? It was good. It was good. We um, we took in a lot of cultural things. We went to a lot of churches. We went to some museums. We went to some art galleries. Uh, I went to an opera, which I loved. Um, what language was it in? It was in... What language was it in? There were English subtitles, so I didn't really pay attention. You don't even know what language it was in? Well, no. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. We can circle back to the opera thing later. Continue. Okay. What did I say? Churches, museums, art galleries. We did some small chamber music performances. That was pretty cool. One was piano and flute and uh, viola. The other one was just, just piano. That was really interesting. I'd never done anything like that before. Chamber music, so-called, because it's meant to be performed in like a bedchamber. Yeah, it was a small per- room. It was performed in a small room, and there were like 20 people or fewer listening. Wow. How much does that cost? Not much. Huh. Not much. Okay. Carry on. And I found that as the trip was kind of wearing on... Um, a lot of the sites sort of seemed to blend into each other. Um, so, you know, one church was starting to look very much like every other church. But a couple of sites stood out in my mind. We went to Auschwitz. You went to Auschwitz? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I once had someone told me, tell me that uh, you don't really know what evil feels like until you stand in Auschwitz. That's, There's a palpable feeling to it. That, that's kind of what I was going to get at, is that, uh, like, okay, you read about these things and you hear about all of these terrible things that, that these guys did. But, yeah, to, to walk around and say... This is where they first brought people in off the train. This is where they sorted them out. This is where a guy stood and said, well, like, with one motion, whether you were going to work or immediately be executed. They they walked us through these uh, uh, buildings where they pumped people full of gas so that they would die. Gas and, chambers. Yeah, the, those, yep. <laughs> um, and that's where the bodies were cremated immediately after. And it was like, holy, like, this. it was, it was just a, just... A weird experience to actually be standing where it actually happened. Yeah, I don't uh, like to think about it too much. This is something that really changes for you after you have children. Mm-hmm. Thinking about things like the Holocaust, because yeah. of course, you know, parents had their children torn out of their arms and taken somewhere else to be done with who knows what, and yep. children were taken from their parents and forced to survive in a concentration camp and. If you think about this happening to you and your children, like the idea of them being torn out of your arms and hauled away, uh, it's pretty much the most terrible thing you can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, Well, that's the thing. You can't. (laughs) Uh, You say you can, but you don't really know until you actually have children. And at that point, things like the Holocaust become much more terrifying on a personal level. Okay. To the point where I could think about I mean I'm not saying I think about the Holocaust oh, yeah. but I could think about it uh, intellectually almost before having children but after uh, my mind starts turning almost immediately to like an image of uh, my daughter being hauled away so so what would happen to you if you went to, to visit this I place I don't know yeah I don't know I, I'm not sure I would go really anymore. I, uh, when I was younger I might have liked to have gone as I said just for the the intellectual experience of it, like yeah. just just to know this is where this thing happened, yeah. this famous thing. But now it's it's almost too real. It's I too was, scary. I was going to say, like, as as terrible as it is, I, w- I would recommend the experience for for anyone. Yeah, I mean, it, it, as anything, just a cautionary example, right? Yeah, to to let you know how far humans can go. It's especially terrifying because of the industrial nature of it. Mm-hmm. Prior to this, if you wanted to kill lots of people, you had to have humans physically murder them, mm. whereas we're just going to have the machines murder them. Unprecedented. Uh, then and almost since. I mean, I don't know if anything quite like that has happened since uh, on that kind of scale. Like, I'm sure people yeah. have used gas to kill 
Yeah. Um, you know, possibly in, in the Rwandan conflict or something like that. Uh, but when you see images of African genocides, which happen all too frequently, unfortunately, yeah, it's usually like men, level, men right? with guns yeah. shooting groups yeah. of people, right? Not like an assembly line. Oof. That's what seems to me to make it so especially terrifying yeah, yeah. to humans. I see where you're coming from. Well, this oh. got dark pretty fast. <laughs> So much for our light and airy podcast. Right? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Oh, can we we can circle back to opera. Okay. Why is there so little English language opera? Certainly, it's a thing, right? I mean, like Jesus Christ Superstar, that's a an opera. Yeah. Because, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the difference between an opera and something like a musical is that in an opera, all the dialogue is sung. Like that's what makes an opera an opera, right? All the dialogue is sung. There are no. That's Just true. speaking parts. Yeah, yeah. Amelodic speaking parts. Right. Um, so, yeah, so Jesus Christ Superstar has no amelodic speaking parts in it, so it's an English opera. Why are there so few English operas? Like, when you think of opera in your mind, what you usually think of, like, Italian. Italian. Right? Okay, certainly there was a lot of composition of opera in the old world. At the time, most operas that we think of were composed. There wasn't much going on mm-hmm. in the new world, right? I think that pretty much explains it. But, but why not since? Is it just that the, the form fell out of vogue? Possibly. How many people do you know who like opera? One. Right. <laughs> he happens to be sitting right across from me. Yeah. But I, I, I loved it, though. Okay. But we have uh, right you know, here in Toronto, the Four Seasons Centre, which is an opera house. Uh, I've been walking by before a performance, and it's like, there's tons of people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, clearly you can still sell out an opera show. Is, uh, is no one just writing English operas? Do you know anything about this? I don't. Um, yeah, yeah. All, all the good operas have already been written. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> don't even bother. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing left to write an opera about.